0: there are so many obstacles that can block the path to a successful software project. When you come across one, it helps to think like a seasoned hiker and follow the trails marked by blue blazes, going around the problem so that you can get back on course and keep moving forward. Welcome to the Blue Blazes Podcast. I'm your host for the journey, Jay Tower, and I'm a partner and principal consultant at Trailhead Technology Partners. In this series, we talk with industry experts who share their best tips for avoiding the pitfalls on the path to successful software projects. In this episode, I speak with Brian McKeever. Brian is co-owner at BizStream, he's a solution architect, Microsoft MVP, both a Kentico Experience and Content MVP, and he has a couple of decades of experience leading his team of over 30 at BizStream, where they have about 100 clients around the country. He is also active in the tech community via his blog at mcbeev.com. That's dot com. Today, Brian and I are talking about EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system. Let's get started. Hey, Brian, thanks for joining me today. Welcome to the podcast and blog. Um, so, thanks, we're going to so talk you. about it. Yeah, love having you here. Um, We're going to talk about EOS today. uh, And the theme of this podcast is talking about software is a hard thing to do. Uh, A lot of software projects fail, you know, come in late, uh, don't meet the requirements, etc. And we're talking about things on this podcast that help us improve that uh, success rate. And so EOS is one of the things that I know has affected both my company and your company and so kind of wanted to talk about that with you. So if you don't mind, maybe first we could just talk about what EOS stands for first and maybe give me the elevator pitch for what sure. it is. So wait, Jay, you're saying that not every single project you've ever been a part
1: of, a part of has successfully launched on time and under budget. Not every single <laughs> well, one.
0: All of mine have obviously okay well great I, fantastic. You're, yeah.
1: You're doing better than me. Uh yeah, so a great question. Yeah, you know, what is EOS? And this is something that we've explained often. So it stands for the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And what it really is, is this three or four part or even six part system that shows entrepreneurs how to just organize a business. And I like to say the short way is to bring order to the chaos. It's not rocket science. It's not something that's like going to take you years and years to master. In fact, there's a really easy book about, you know, what the heck is EOS? I really recommend people to check out if they're just interested in it. But it's basically a way to bring vision and traction into your organization and have a strong, healthy work-life balance relationship, uh, healthy relationships between you and your employees. And it's just kind of a, a common sense way to organize your business to basically do better and reduce stress. I mean, that's what it really boils down to for me.
0: Yeah, I think in that um, that book called Traction that kind of introduces concepts of OS. Uh, I think it talks about arrows, like everybody in the organization has an arrow pointing in different directions and how inefficient that can be. And if you get all the arrows pointing together, uh, then you get more of that traction, right? Yep. yep. So, so right in the name, we've got OS for operating system, which is, sounds very techy, right? So this is perfect for uh, our tech audience. But uh, is that necessary? Like, is this just for tech companies?
1: No, not at all. In fact, I don't even think it started anywhere near tech companies. I think the OS, yeah, our technical backgrounds, we, we just jumped to wait. Are we talking Linux or Windows or whatever? No, it has yeah. nothing to do with that. It, it really, any company can use this approach and strategy. And it's, again, it's really just if you take out of that, like, it's a system. That's the way to think of it. It's just a system and organizational structure.
0: Yeah. And entrepreneurial is the E. Uh, or entrepreneurs, you know, operating system. So it's, uh, is it just for startups uh, or, you know, does this work well for different size companies?
1: So that's a great question. I think, you know, when it comes to the size of the company that EOS best works for, they do have a target and it's kind of not necessarily pure startup. It's more some organization who is a little bit over a certain revenue number and over a certain number of employees. You know, I think if you had two employees, this isn't going to make a ton of sense but the I think the you know the the best practice to say is you know over a dozen employees, I want to say up into high numbers, and uh I challenge that a little bit, even though traditionally that's the way they explain it. I have a good friend, he runs an agency he's small, he only has like six employees, and he was having some of these same challenges with working a crazy amount of hours, not allowing his staff to do their things without micromanagement and he's having some problems and stress. And I said, I know you're only six or seven person company, but check out us because it, it, it could help. The concepts can still be applied if you want to. Um, So yeah, I basically there, there's definitely a number. It's around 12 to, to, to plus more, but maybe not quite for just two
0: people. Yeah. Yeah. They, I guess if you have two people, then If you're just meeting with that other person once a day once a week whatever right like that's where all your communication the entire company is essentially communicating at that point right 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 Uh, or if you're a one-person company all of that happens in your brain right yep so okay so eos doesn't have anything specifically to do with tech companies or software companies even though there's that os part of the acronym um So in fact, it doesn't really have anything to say about how you run your software projects specifically, it's more about how you run your company. Mm -hmm. So since this podcast is about making software projects more successful, how have you guys uh, at BizStream found that EOS running the company that way has impacted how successful you're able to deliver on your projects?
1: Yeah, it's it's been game-changing for us at BizStream. Uh, I have a business partner, his name is Mark Schmidt. Kim and I have been together for over 20 years doing this, and we've grown the size of the company to, you know, a little bit over 30 maybe 35 at this point. And for a long time, we just tried to do it our way without any classical business training. We are technical in our backgrounds. And the challenge that that brings for running software projects is where is there a clear line of communication on who's doing what? Who's accountable for what things? Who's responsible for what things? Why are certain things getting done? Why are they not? Who's testing? Oh, well, I'm writing code, I'm not testing. Who's gonna do that? And sure, we we came up with ways to kind of somewhat solve those problems. And we made it work for many years in just our own homegrown systems, but to really scale and to grow and not have everything be reliant on just the two leaders of the organization, that's where EOS really changed our, our world, frankly. Um, it, and it did, like I said before, it brought order to the chaos. We basically had a lot of employees on projects, not knowing what the next step was, or not knowing who they could go to, and everybody would come to us. So at one point, we had like 20 people directly reporting to both Mark and I, and it wasn't really fair to either side because there was too much for Mark and I to handle at that point. And how to answer this question for the project, or how to answer what this client request meant, because no one knew where they could go. It was just, it was just chaos, uh, mm-hmm. and it really. Going through the EOS process completely changed that, and I think it did for for you a little bit as well too, Jay. Right?
0: Yeah, totally. It seems like when you're a certain size company, maybe a handful of people, five or something like that, you can kind of manage the chaos by just over communicating and having really great people who you know work hard. And but at, after a certain size, then that kind of falls apart. Right? There's no. Uh, there's no way for a hundred people to do that same thing just by everybody muscling right. through, um, right. and so EOS provides some of that structure that helped you guys grow. Because uh, I know now you're a lot bigger than a handful of people; you're many, many handfuls of people. So, um, yep. do you how, do you attribute uh, some of that success and some of that growth to implementing EOS at BizStream?
1: I do. I think a lot of it came down to that. It's the fact that going through some of the the people processes that they have in the system and, and just understanding the big thing for us was really taking that sort of flat structure of everybody reports to Mark and Brian to what US calls an accountability chart and creating seats in the organization that were meant for specific responsibilities or accountabilities mm-hmm. and having the the way for us to create project teams came out of that approach um, the way for us to understand how we support our organization with things like HR, finance, legal, even not that we needed those every single hour of every single day. Cause we're not like a 150% company, but there are times you need those things and it was like, well, wait, who's doing that? Who's taking this? Yeah. yeah and yeah. having the accountability chart to really represent every single thing that it takes to get a project done in, the, in our business, like, you know, but also to to have a company to have, make sure payroll runs on time. Make sure that there's a good culture involved. Make sure that all the things, that, like we have a building here at Business Who's going to take care of the, the parking lot when it crumbles? Like we need the facility manager. Like going through and thinking about all the areas of your business, putting in the right seats, organizing that structure into accountability charts. That was a massive change for us. And actually that was one of the hardest things we went through because there's, the system of EOS does not mandate how you do that, right? They may give you a couple examples. And we started out with just our leadership team first in that example. Well, who are the, the six people on Bistram's leadership team? What are they responsible for? And then we took that concept and we rolled it out to the whole rest of the organization. And now everybody knows what they're accountable for. And everybody actually has a number that they're measured by. So, yeah, that was a huge thing for us to, to make, make it so that I wasn't working 80 hours a week anymore.
0: So a lot of people, when they kind of start hearing about the details of EOS, they say, well, that doesn't sound like rocket science, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty common reaction. That's a little bit how I felt even when I started reading about it. Uh, in fact, I think the, uh, the guy who started EOS even talks about in his book, Traction, about how he's basically stolen all the best ideas from all the most popular business books and put them together into a system, right? Uh, so there's a lot of things that aren't like new ideas. So if if you were talking to someone who was thinking about EOS, but then they had this reaction of like, uh, well, none of this is rocket science. I'll just do an org chart. I'll set up a meeting schedule. How, how would you talk to them about whether EOS is any different than just kind of implementing those common sense things themselves?
1: Well, it's funny you bring that up because that's exactly me. You just described me at the beginning of this process. <laughs> um, Mark brought it to me and had seen another organization here in West Michigan go through it because he's on their board, and he was telling me the ideas at a, just a quick passing you know, level, not like the full details, and I'm like, well, that's not rocket science. I think I literally said that to myself about this process, <laughs> and I was somewhat skeptical, as I normally am about brand new things, um, but you know what I would say to someone, and, and actually maybe Mark, when I said this to me, or I came to the conclusion of myself, is like, yeah, it's, it's not rocket science. However, it's discipline that we lack. And when you have the discipline to follow the processes, because they're so simple, it just becomes easy. So there is not a giant learning curve. It's not like you have to spend years and years and years figuring this out. Now, actually, it can take a while. We, we actually I want to say it took us like 18 to 20 months in total to do the whole thing. But um, it, it's just, yes, it's not rocket science. But if you follow the steps, the details—they just, they're just life-changing. In in following them, is something I would really recommend. I would not try to make your own process on top of it or change. Like, eventually, it becomes your own process. Like now, we just say it's the BizStream way. Mm-hmm. But um, to learn it and to make sure everyone is following the same thing, it's like you said before. It's like we're all rowing in the same direction. Every meeting is run the same way. Everyone knows they need to be on time. Everybody knows expectations. It just brings clarity to the organization, transparency, and people appreciate just things function the same, no matter what what they're going into or maybe what the project they're they're creating. We have processes defined, and it just, it's a better way to work, honestly.
0: Nice. Um, So you mentioned earlier that there's maybe five or so, six um, different aspects that EOS asks you to implement, right? There's things like setting your company's vision or company values. There's a weekly leadership meeting. There's a quarterly and annual strategy cadence. Um, there's uh, weekly tasks or to-dos that you have. And there's longer term strategic things that, I think the thing that the most people have heard of from EOS, which is those are called rocks mm-hmm. in EOS, right? And uh, those are the, that's what I run into people having heard about the most. Uh, so there's a bunch of components of that uh, EOS system. Of those different components, which do you think was the hardest lift for you guys to implement at BizStream? It's a great question.
1: Like, yeah, you're right. The the, the people analyzer, the VTO, uh, all those things. I, it's funny. I even explained it already. I go back to the accountability chart. That was the hardest thing for BizStream mm-hmm. to do. Um, that's something that. Um, was very challenging for us because we thought of at least three different ways to do things. And we are we are not great at saying, hey, there's a seat first that has responsibilities, instead of thinking about the person that naturally you might align to that seat right away. And we were thinking about people too much. And, um, you know, people can change in an organization. So it really does matter to have, here's the responsibility of that seat. Here's how it reports up in the structure. Uh, and to make that the whole chart and to make it a system that can just run itself, not, yeah. you know, is it just uh, Brian running over here? So the accountability chart was very difficult for us. It took us a long time because we also had some people issues. Hmm. And I think for many years we skirted around those people issues. And that's the other part of U.S. is it gives you that people analyzer tool to basically, you know, do they want to be here and are they getting it? and you you yeah. kind of have to have that hard conversation it gives you that framework to do that but once you put the the right seats in place and you get the right people it, it's it's really good for your organization it becomes very healthy um and then i think lastly which i will say even though uh we have you know graduated our eos journey in technically um documenting all the core processes at the organization is yeah. is co- still not done um <laughs> we we have many of them, but now also I think that's another challenge that we have is documenting the core processes. We have yeah. many of them on the software side as as we've talked about. But some of the other things, um, we're not
0: quite there. But we're getting we're getting. Uh, that's so funny. I mean, you know, you wouldn't be a software company if you didn't struggle with documentation, right?
1: <laughs> that's totally true. Totally true.
0: Uh, so just for the uninitiated, you were talking about seats, uh, the accountability chart and seats. And so those seats in EOS are kind of like roles or um, positions, if you will, in the company. And it really forces your hand pretty early on. I mean, it's almost step one of the process. It's kind of step two, I guess, because it's after you kind of figure out who you are and what your like mission for existing is, right? Yep. But step two of that process is figuring out uh, what the roles that you need to to exist in your company to actually implement that mission and vision and it's really hard not to think about that in the way of who do we have right now and just like uh, as we call as we say in this uh, software industry like jumping straight to the solution right right yeah um so when you implemented eos silly question here but uh, eos is a bit opinionated about the terminology in fact when you actually use eos Uh, documents to do your processes, they'll have little trademarks after all of their special little words and acronyms and stuff. Uh, So it's almost like when you start telling someone about EOS, you almost uh, can see the look come over their face like you're trying to convince them that the cult that you're in is really cool. right? Right. Um, Did you guys struggle at all? uh, Or do you personally struggle at all with any of the naming? Uh, And how did you overcome that if you did? So we,
1: didn't, I don't think we struggled too much with the naming. It definitely took a little bit to get what the acronyms were, you know, like, Hey, was, is it the people thing sometimes was mentioned or is, uh, you know, what does VTO stand for? Yeah. So, it, but it wasn't too bad because, uh, frankly, I, we made a decision to bring in an implementator and a coach basically to help us through the process. And you have that choice. You can self implement as they call it by reading the books, getting the worksheets, and that's all available or you can kind of bring in someone who's certified in the process certified i don't know let's just say certified in the process who's gone through it with other companies and organizations and that coach really kept us in line with nope don't do that don't call it that don't try to come up with your own names and i definitely see the value in in uh, the coach and not changing names but to stay on the your question about the names yeah we we had our other names for these things over the years. We had company goals, which you could equate to rocks in a way. We had to-do items or tasks. Um, so some things were like, well, we could just call it this because we've always called it this. And we said, no, we, we need to follow the process. Everyone has to call it the same thing. Let's not call it two different things. So the right. naming actually is important. And I really recommend
0: don't try to, don't try to change the names of things because it's just <laughs> going to be more confusing. Sort of like uh, in software, when someone starts trying to re architect how the framework they're working on actually works, uh, usually that ends up being a very painful experience, right? Just yep. go with the flow a little bit. Yep. Yep. Try not to refactor everything, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We are engineers, so we always come mm-hmm. in and say, like, oh, I could have done this better, right? I'll, I'll re architect this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so you, you mentioned in that answer, you mentioned about using an implementer, which is sort of like a EOS consultant, if you will. Obviously, those, hiring those folks aren't, isn't free. Uh, you and I both used uh, one of those implementers. If you were talking to somebody who was thinking about EOS and they were thinking about doing it themselves or thinking about using an implementer, how would you, how would you advise them based on your experience using an implementer?
1: Yeah, the short answer to that question is I would fully advise it. I, I totally would. It helped us basically be more efficient, stand track better, and that person brings their experience with other organizations, not even tech companies, although sometimes tech companies that said, "Hey, they did it this way, you could consider this." And it sometimes is really nice to hear that real-world experience of someone who's went through this process already. But it's funny, uh we have that decision, right? Should we self-implement, should we bring in a, a coach? And I talked to another agency in Ohio that does exactly what we do at BizStream. They're the same company. I almost. I'm good friends with the president I've, I've known for a long time. They self-implemented, and I wanted to hear what his experience was before we decided to bring in the coach. Because you're right, it does cost you know, a substantial amount depending on the size of your company. And I wanted to be sure that that investment was worth it. Mm-hmm. And hearing him say that they loved the ideas but they never found the time to get to implement or they they had a question here and they didn't know where to go. And they spent a lot of time researching on Google. What is this thing? What do we do next? And that, I think, is the value of having the coach. Mm. You just you just go faster and make an impact on your organization quicker. So that's really why
0: I recommend doing it. So there's a sense in which maybe even though the implementer costs money that you wouldn't hey, if you were doing it yourself, that maybe it actually saves you money because of the time that it gets you, I think it's a compression of the process, not doing it wrong for a while and then like taking a long time to implement it over many years because you're just not experienced doing it, right? Yep, yep.
1: And I I don't know if we want to mention it or can we mention his name? Do you want to do that? Yeah, of
0: course, yeah. Yeah,
1: so uh, Scott Passion is both of our uh, EOS coaches and Scott also brings a fantastic value to all of our conversations about going off on tangents and reeling us back in. Because as you said before, we're engineers, we like to solve things. We would always jump to solving things way too fast in our quarterlies. And he was the one who actually was like, nope, everyone stop and go back to what is the issue. We're not on the solve yet for the ideas. So that's another thing that, you know, he did a great job at and yeah, I'm really happy. He, in fact, we still bring him in from time to time, even though we've kind of graduated.
0: Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, his uh, his experience was invaluable to us, and so just to kind of mention his website, if people are interested in checking him out, looking at implementers, Brian and I probably both recommend him strongly, and it's uh, Scott S C O T T Passion that's P A T C H I N dot com, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure he'd be happy to hear from you and talk to you about how the process works okay so you implemented EOS you guys graduated uh, how long ago now good question I think we graduated probably three years ago now okay so you've been doing it a while how long did it take you in total to get from the point where uh, obviously there's the lifelong learner thing right like you've never perfected it you're always getting better even over these last few years but how long did it take to get from the point where you Scott? To the point where he said you had graduated.
1: Yeah, I want to say it was right around eighteen months. Yeah. So it, it it in in total, it really does take at least a year. Sometimes I think he would mention to us that typical companies might take two years to do the whole thing. Yeah. um But I think our technical nature and some of the systems that we already had in place, like we talk about a scorecard, we already had some systems that we could bring together. So I think that helped us go a little quicker than than the average two
0: years, but. You know, like you said, it's we're never done.
1: There's still more that we could do. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, great. Well, so one of the questions I like to finish up with with my guests is to ask what other topics uh, besides EOS in this case, do you think we should talk about on this podcast? And if there's anybody that you think might be associated with those topics uh, around you know software success uh, that you would like to see us talk about in the future.
1: Wow, that's a great question. I'm not sure I'm prepared for the the person's name, but as far as um, the topic goes, I know something that a lot of agencies have asked me about recently is the way we work with clients in a security-focused world, Mm -hmm. right? With all of the new data privacy rules, the data protection rules out there, how as an agency or a software development company do you work with your clients when there's sensitive data involved? You know, do you have access to that in your development cycles? Do you not? What techniques and strategies do you have about remote work that makes sure that data is secure and private? I would love to hear more about that because it's a challenge that you know, we're facing all the time at Bistram with a lot of our clients. Um, but as far as a person, boy, I don't know.
0: Um, That's fine if I'm on my own to find the person for that topic, but yeah, that is a really valuable topic because, uh, you know, nothing would make a software project or a company. Uh, more unsuccessful than getting sued for, you know, having a major right. data breach and right. going out of business or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, isn't so it crazy su- how
0: you you hear about it more and more each week? It feels like, oh,
1: this this company had a breach or this one had a cyber attack. Or, like right. it's such a big deal about delivering secure software. That I think is a great topic.
0: Yeah. Even credit cards where you would think that they would have kind of solved that by now. Like how long do you have a credit card before the numbers get stolen and you know get go out on the black web? It feels like maybe uh, a couple of years at the longest for me, if I'm actually using the card at all. So yeah. it's definitely an issue that's affecting a lot of companies out there. Well, Brian, thanks so much for your time and for talking a little bit about EOS and how that's helped you at BizStream and us too at Trailhead uh, be more successful with our software projects. Appreciate your time for coming on the podcast.
1: Hey, I had a great time, Jay. Thanks for having me. I'll be, I'm happy to come back anytime
0: you want. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Brian. Well, we've reached the end of this episode of the Blue Blazes podcast. If you're interested in hearing more conversations like this one with industry leaders focused on how to make software projects more predictably successful, make sure you subscribe. Trailhead can be found online at trailheadtechnology.com on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, thanks for listening.